Monarch of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. This is a really delightful episode with Oscar Moises Diaz, a poet astrologer who specializes in the fixed stars. The fixed stars are a branch of astrology that bring so much additional star lore into the natal chart. And the techniques for working with fixed stars involve some different calculations than we might ordinarily use um, or different software programs, because I think a lot of us are, are using the software and not doing the calculations by hand. Um, because these stars are not just neatly collected with the ecliptic, which is where we get the zodiac belt that we typically work with. So I'm actually, I don't have my footing in knowing how to look up fixed stars yet. Um, they weren't even totally on my radar. I have heard of them on the periphery and then... They entered my world more with hearing an episode of the Astrology Podcast with Kira, uh, where she interviewed Oscar, who I'm interviewing here today, along with Amaya Rourke about the fixed stars, which was a great episode and helped me get a little bit more of an understanding of some of the technical qualities of what the fixed stars are um, and to get some really great background info. And... Since then, I've learned a little bit about some of the mythologies of these stars and um, got a reading with Amaya and learned about my heliacal rising star and some different stars that are connected to me and really got to deepen into this new, you know, added lens of understanding myself. And I'm really impressed and enamored with the additional, you know, mythology and nuanced information that can come through this branch of astrology. This conversation with Oscar was so delightful to have because the artist side of Oscar could not help but come through. Um, it's an embodiment. You know, you'll hear as this conversation unfolds how glittering and expansive these ideas are. And the way that Oscar relates with language inspires me so deeply as a fellow writer. And so while the objective of our episode was to talk about the fixed stars, and we did, um, I'm really just appreciating also what we explored about language and having, you know, this connection with I'm Mercury in Pisces, they're Mercury in Sagittarius. And so in traditional astrology, those are both Pisces and Sagittarius are both ruled by Jupiter. I work a lot with modern rulership because I'm an evolutionary astrologer. So I do consider Neptune as well, the ruler of Pisces. But at any rate, I do really sympathize and understand the Jupiter side of Pisces, um, the more so that I commune with people who have been versed in traditional and Hellenistic astrology and just get to see that through their eyes. Another thing that I want to say, you know, as I, I think I'm going to, this is a little bit of a longer introduction than normal. Um, 
So much is going on. I moved again locally this time. <laughs> um, but I mean, actually even out of state, cause now I'm in Vancouver, Washington temporarily. And yeah, life is beautiful. I feel so much like not only is it springtime and so there's an abundance of things going on and students in Meteorite are developing their projects, uh, their independent, you know, creative and academic projects. Meteorite is a higher level alumni course for people who have gone through my evolutionary astrology intensive, which is the, um, the program that I teach several times a year that introduces the world of evolutionary astrology, this Pluto and soul-based astrology. Um, so that's happening. One intensive just ended and another one's about to begin and there's still time to enroll. May 7th is the last day. Uh, I'm moving. I'm in a new place. I'm having like all of these great and rich experiences. And I just feel myself really being stretched. Um, like my heart is opening and I I've always had the experience, you know, I have Mars and Jupiter and aspect in my natal chart of doing a lot and having a hard time, you know, over committing myself, doing too much, being overwhelmed. And I feel like I really budgeted my time well this time. And I also love all the things that I do and I'm energized by them. And I just am feeling really good. And this other thing happened this week that was a whole world of its own, which was that we had, you know, in the last week or so, Mercury and Venus joined up in Taurus. And my friend was in town who's a Taurus and who has Mercury and Taurus. And there was a through line of some of our conversations about you know, the craft of writing and being inspired by beautiful writing. And we went to Powell's in Portland together and I got immersed in the poetry aisle and it, it bubbled up and emerged in me that I'm going to teach writing soon, like teach creative writing and the craft of writing, which is, you know, not my ordinary thing that I do here. I'm an astrologer and I, you know, counsel people and I teach astrology, but writing is my background and it's, something that I've always been really passionate about. And it used to be a lot more of my focus, but, um, you know, from studying creative writing in college to writing all the time, my novel that I wrote is coming out this month as well, in addition to all these things. And so I'm kind of having this personal renaissance of being really excited about writing and the craft of writing again. And also just feeling how, like, to me, how I feel about the craft of creative writing is something that I've had such an intimate relationship with, but I haven't um, disseminated that information before. So I'm really excited to, you know, share that and get in this space. And so as I'm having this week of just this explosion of energy between uh, Mercury and Venus and Taurus. And so when you have Mercury and Venus come together, um, which is something that I have natally as well, it has a lot to do with writing and ease of communication and beautiful communication and the love of language. And so Dane Rujar writes about conjunctions as this, um, just this intensity of potential, like the, the new moment of a conjunction is just this explosion of potentiality. And so I really felt that come through of just being excited about language and poetry and in the midst of all of this, I re-listened to this conversation with Oscar um, to you know, edit the podcast. And I was again struck 
by just how much I loved this conversation, how inspired I am by Oscar's finesse with language and playfulness with language. And, you know, I was just having such a good time hearing them speak, um, both for the content, you know, the philosophical riches, but also the language itself. Um, so I'm personally, you know, I was delighted and excited by that. I began to see Oscar around Twitter and then tuned in to Kira's The Astrology Show interview with Oscar and Amaya Rourke. And, you know, ever since have been connecting with Oscar on, you know, Clubhouse or, you know, in in the astrology community and really just love the way that Oscar talks. I really love Oscar's literary presence and depth and immersion in their astrology practice. So I wanted to have a conversation with them here. So a little bit more about Oscar before we begin. Oscar Moises Diaz, born 1993 in Soyapongo, El Salvador, is a poet, astrologer, film curator, and artist. They've exhibited art in places such as the 10th Central American Biennial, the International Film Festival of El Salvador, the Queen's Museum, Museum of Art El Salvador, and a solo exhibit at the Museum of Contemporary Art Costa Rica. They are currently a curatorial fellow at the Poetry Project. They are a member of Tierra Narrative and a contributing editor over at Asphalt Magazine, newest poems in Schlag Magazine. They also run a full-time astrology practice over at cieloswelloastrology.com. And before we begin, just another reminder that the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, which is an opportunity to study evolutionary astrology with me in a four-month time period where we dive deep, get to know all the archetypes and the planets and how to put um, all of the astrological signatures together in a natal chart, that is coming up May 10th. May 7th is the deadline to enroll. And I want to share here a most recent testimonial from Odette about the experience of being in this intensive. Quote, when I joined this course, I had a few years of astrological study under my belt. The information I'd been collecting was quite jumbled, and I felt like I had many puzzle pieces I didn't know how to put together. I longed for a deeper, more cohesive understanding of the archetypes and their relationships. This course went above and beyond in delivering. I learned how to tune into the subtle magic of the universe and weave archetypal narratives through embodiment in my daily life. Sabrina is a powerful, wise teacher who ignites sparks of curiosity and transformation in all her students. She has a way of transmitting ethereal knowledge in very clear and precise language, making the course accessible to those who are beginners, but also captivating to those who are a bit more advanced. My favorite moments were those spent in class, listening and learning from the perspectives of my unique and insightful cohort. I deeply appreciated how Sabrina facilitated the space, making room for vulnerability, strength, and honesty. I leave this intensive with a deep conviction that astrology is a powerful tool for understanding, healing, and empowerment. Thanks to this course, I am not only a better astrologer, but a more wholesome human being. If you're ready to make this investment and open yourself up to the enchantment of Sabrina, I promise you won't regret it. End quote. So this course 
It consists of pre-recorded modules that are accessible to you forever onward, as well as live meetings where you meet as a cohort and get to know each other and talk about the material, and it culminates in reading one another's charts. Evolutionary astrology is a karmic astrology that works with past lives and deep patterns and the depths of the soul. It's really about understanding what compels us and what compromises us, understanding our shadow and becoming more self-aware. And in this form of astrology or this vision of astrology, free will, genuinely free choices comes from depth self-awareness and being able to recognize the patterns or the samsaras that we're in and to make different choices, to be creative, to be experimental, to find the wisdom or kind of the oracle in our natal chart, as opposed to being gripped by these things unconsciously. So what becomes, you know, being tossed and turned in these, you know, subterranean realms of confusion or not knowing who we are or, Uh, being compelled by some kind of shadow quality, it becomes more about illumination and play. And I feel like there's been really room with this form of astrology for me and how I feel it reflected to people who um, have been through the course is that learning this material makes space both for like depth, you know, personal excavation, deeper understanding of ourselves and then a creativity and like a full acceptance of our humanness, as well as how we want to embody our higher self. The, you know, the archetypes are expansive and infinite and multivalent. So learning how to work with them in a way that actually helps locate you, you know, where am I, who am I through this archetypal lens, through this extremely complex language that we can get a grasp on, especially in this kind of structured format. And what are my opportunities? What's my dharma? What doorways and portals are open to me? I personally came to this form of astrology after a lifelong interest in astrology. I've been into it since a young age, Um, but after having an extreme experience when I was 21 and needing perspective, I found evolutionary astrology and never looked back. So if you are interested and you're feeling called to study with me, if you're seeking a deeper relationship with astrology and you resonate with the content that I share here, you can go ahead and check out the link in the notes to the intensive, read more testimonials, read more about the course and enroll there. So I think I'll leave us with that um, and get into this wonderful episode with Oscar. Hey, Oscar, I'm excited to have you on Magic of the Spheres. And we have talked before, like on um, Clubhouse and on Astro Twitter. But the impression that I get from you is that you are so writerly, you're an artist and I feel like the things that you say, like just your tweets leave an impact on me. They feel like lines of poetry. So I'm just really happy to have crossed paths with you because earlier in my life, um, being a writer, I always had this dream of meeting other writers, you know, as I grow and develop in this life. So, um, 
Yeah, I haven't told you this before, but you totally, you know, strike me as like one of the people that I dreamed of meeting when I was younger. So I'm really happy that you're both. Yeah, that you're here, that you're a writer, astrologer. Um, So I'm just really stoked to have you. Mm, Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there's no other way for me to even explain uh, astrology than than to be kind of poetic or, or talk about like a film and you know i think i mean i don't you have like a jupiter ruled mercury too yeah yeah uh, mercury yeah. and pisces so mine's in sagittarius and i i maybe that's why we we kind of vibe so well and there's that connection because i feel like when we have like jupiter ruled mercury's it's like we're already abstract thinkers like we're already kind <laughs> yeah. of um we're kind of doing something else you know it's kind of like I feel like those Mercuries are so attuned to kind of like my friend Ariana calls it um, rhyming, which is like, you know, kind of maybe being out in the world and like you notice the funny faces the world starts to make at you and then you make funny faces back. And it's just kind of like um, that's like the Jupiterian maybe kind of like, I don't know, like rhythm that we're kind of in. But like, I think that's why, you know, I think like it's so important for me to like explain astrology through jokes and 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 riddles and and poems because i think there's like a generosity there which yeah. is also like Ju- jupiterian right and i think you know sometimes i even you know doing zoom consults now because of the pandemic like um sometimes i'll like read a whole poem and it'll be like really long and i'm like don't worry you don't have to like understand it right now and like the, they'll be like oh, phew like another <laughs> and i'm like yeah no you get a recording and then you know weeks later they email me back and they're like I like I like listen to that poem every day or like they, they end up spending time with it, which is what I want you to do in like a consultation. I'm like, you know, you don't have to kind of, you know, I, I, I think and I think that's the thing about poetry. And it's the thing about Jupiter ruled Mercury is that um, we're just happy to hang out. You know, you don't have to like understand and dissect and like, you know, be really kind of like, I don't know, like um, tabulated uh, with the world all the time. Sometimes it is about the experience and sometimes it is about just the the I mean, poetry, it, it creates something and you can just be like in the sublime and awe of that. And I think. Yeah, you know, and that's what I love about it. And then so I'll get these like paragraphs from clients later on being like. Oh, like, I totally get what you're saying now because it's like and it's like, yeah, you know, and like um, it's all about just like the the poem space, the riddle space, the joke space doing that. And I feel like this is not this started out. I'm already being so Jupiterian and like I love it. stream of conscious and up the cuffs. But like, right, like we live in a world that's like increasingly more accelerated fast slippery the scroll right we're always scrolling and so i i feel like we're losing that kind of thing with like the riddle the joke the poem and so as an astrologer i'm just like how can i give you that how can i give you a form of generosity you know not just a delineation you know what does this mean but like maybe you can sit with this few you know beautiful arrangement of words and you can you can contemplate and like figure it out and like unravel it or something, you know, have a whole thing with it. Yeah. I adore that. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you get into both astrology and then fixed stars? Yeah. I mean, I feel like 
the esoteric, like all of the stuff was just like always nearby. But I feel like it was really my Jupiter return um, in like 2018. You know, like the prior Jupiter return was like, I think it was like in it was like my first communion or something. And I was so into that. Like I was like. I don't know. I think you have to be like eight or something, but some, some you're young when you do your first communion. And, but I was like asking the priests, like, Oh, there's angels in this Bible. <laughs> or I'd be like, Ooh, they're doing magic. Right. Like this is like, and they, you know, it'd be this whole thing. I'd be like, Oscar, you got to stop talking. Like we're, we're talking about the bread and the, and I was like, yeah, but that's like, that's like real. Like that's the blood of Christ. And I was like in, in the Eucharist and like the whole thing. So I had all these questions ever since I was little. I have a Jupiter in the ninth house in Scorpio. It's my chart ruler, Pisces rising. Um, and I have a moon Represent. in Taurus in the third house. <laughs> Pisces rising yeah. too. Yeah. There's so many of us in the astrological community. I love that. Like so many Pisces risings. And so ever since I was little, I kind of had all these like questions and I I just knew there was more. I knew there was stuff people weren't telling me. And I guess maybe I suppressed it a little. And then like, you know, living on my own and that second, that other Jupiter return when I like 2018, where I was like living in New York and just like. Yeah, on my own, I was just like, oh, um, it, I mean, I remember the day kind of all started to catapult was just like I had a roommate who had a tarot deck and just didn't use it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, let me pull a card because at the time I was living with a roommate. We all kind of like it was anyway, roommate drama. And I was like, what's going to happen to this roommate? So I like quietly in the corner, like super Jupiter and Scorpio was like, what's going to happen? And I was just like, <laughs> pulled a card and it was like the tower. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, I know something people don't know about this situation or like, what's this mean? And like, and then it came true. Like they ended up moving out and it was just like, oh, that's funny. And then like astrology just started to be a thing. And I think it's like, I don't know. I think it comes from like being just like in queer spaces and kind of like having these other ways of saying, I know, you know, and Mm. I know what you're going through. And I know, you know, it's like it's I think when the world is extraordinary, we have to um, we have to make language extraordinary. Language has to do something else because the world is so while that we have to get a grip on language and i think astrology is a, a language and and it, and it's a language where you know i don't have to tell you this huge traumatic thing but i can tell you like i'm having that transit through my 12th house and and you know what i mean or you you kind of vibrationally know and i think like i don't know just like queer people love that and i think we we we've always had that and i think it or just like right like people on the peripheries are just like very used to those things. So living in New York was just always like stuff like that. I mean, astrology was a little bit sooner for me. Um, not to be long winded, but I used to play in all these punk bands and there was like a drummer one time and they were like, you're like crazy on stage. Like what's in your chart? And I'm like, what is that? Like, I was like, probably like, I was like two bottles of tequila in, like almost like it was like really wild. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I'm a Capricorn. Does that matter? Whatever. And like the drummer's mom was like an astrologer and he was like he was one of my friends we both went to berkeley college of music in boston we were like in this grungy basement and he's like no you have like more stuff and and so like yeah it like opened my chart for me in this like grunge basement like in the middle of our sets and was just like this is this is you and then after that i was just like oh like and it was just like this moment of just like 
there's just more <laughs> or something. It was just so exciting, but it's so funny. And, it, you know, the drummer was a Gemini. So it was literally like the planet Mercury being like, hi, knocking on your door. Like, it's time for you to like look at this or something. Yeah. I love this point that you have about language or having to get a grip on language to catch up with the world. And I feel too Mm. that even expanding language expands the world. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, one of my first poetry teachers taught us to have vision and she was like, Mm. go out and cultivate a vision so that you have something to write about. And that Mm. night I my life changed forever. Like the world became Mm. instantly brighter and more vivid. And I don't Mm. know, you know, I can philosophize about what that's about, but I feel Mm -hmm. like the universe knows when we're paying more attention and throws us more glitter and more dazzling things and more images. And there's that interesting Jupiter Mercury connection too, about the more you Mm -hmm. pay attention, the more it expands, the more it expands, Mm -hmm. the more you need to map it out. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, some might think that that's overwhelming, but for an artist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a writer, it's it's good yeah I, I absolutely um absolutely all of that I was like I don't even know what to address first because <laughs> I mean that's how Jupiter Mercury's talk too like I, I think um Mercury and Sagittarius it, it's tar- the tarot card is like the eight of wands it's like all these wands in there and I feel like that's why yeah it's like we we're constantly all kind of like throwing so many directions so I'm like what do I respond to like everything you just said was so exciting and I was like where do I like pinpoint <laughs> first to go to but I think the the attention part is like super cool um and yeah part of having that vision I think I mean you know um there's a poet uh C.A. Conrad who talks about like uh an extreme presence and and poetry being that space and it really is kind of like it, it is about attention and I think there's something sacred in attention and I think there's something like ancient and about attention and it is true like the more you can kind of start to be in that space more intentionally which I think we've been very divorced from I mean we don't even have rituals anymore like or or like they're disappearing right like uh, I'm reading this amazing philosopher he's like a hardcore like Marxist but he's also like a mystic his name is Byung-Sul Han and he like writes about time and, and he's like he's got a Saturn in Capricorn he's super serious and he's like you know wagging his finger a lot but I think he's also dreaming a lot and he's kind of like yeah talking about time and how we need to like get into different time and like time of the other and ha- having a good time and I, and re- and taking back time. And I think something happens when you write poetry, you, you take back time. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. dazzled. <laughs> I'm like, I'm enjoying myself so much. Like you don't even know. Um, thank Same. you for this that. This is like amazing. <laughs> so what about like, you know, the fixed stars are something mm. that you are so brilliant mm. at and it's much rarer. Like, uh, I only know like two or three people I feel like who, you know, have that download. So, and I understand too, that it's, there's a technical skill set I think that's mm-hmm. required to even like look up where the fixed stars are in a person's chart, mm-hmm. but just like, what are they? And how do you work with them? Yeah. I mean, maybe like a little story. I'm like, always going to start everything with a story <laughs> or, or, or a tangent or a thing. But like, that's the, that, you know, you have to love, you have to love the scenic route with uh, mutable Mercury's, Jupiter Mercury's, I yeah. think, you know? Um, so, I mean, 
for me, it was just kind of like, oh, this is like the part of astrology that's a little bit more narrative. I was like, stars are on the fourth sphere of divinity. You know, we can look up that these beautiful manuscripts of, of like the layers of heaven and like they're farther away. They're called fixed stars because they have fixed paths. But I was like, they're really up there and they're kind of like. You know, um, these kind of psychopomps, these kind of like angel like figures in the sky, these helpers, these um, these intercessors between us and like whatever's up there. And so I was just like, ha, huh, there's something like grandiose that I'm attracted to. But but really the way they spoke and the way that it, it, they were just so filled with narrative and story and like um, how like those like how different cultures around the world have similar stories for like you know the same star and kind of like I was just like wow like this is you know I'm one of my favorite things that my teacher Dr. Brady ever said to us in class about fixed stars and she's kind of like the person responsible for reviving all these ancient techniques which I'll get into I'm sure is like um that she said that like you know like people put their stories in the stars and in the constellations in the sky so they wouldn't get lost because you know like you you'd, you'd like nomadic peoples and like you'd be like moving from location to location and it's just like but but the sky would always be there and it wouldn't like i mean it takes thousands of years for stars to kind of move and process and like break apart and, and like sh- but but that's like very slow and so the sky was like a reliable place to put humanity stories and in our in our everything about us I feel and so I was just like it, it fixed stars make me feel small and I think it's very important for me to feel small sometimes and, and kind of in that kind of like <laughs> that kind of like um just like rich joyful smallness which is like oh, oh wow like this is like thousands like neo-paleolithic like whatever those terms are like this is old you know it's like before um we even had birth charts like that elegant wheel or these things we were we were just watching and we were just looking and we were we were and i still think that has a lot to say to us and i think right there's this egyptian idea of time called jet time it's like dg uh ET. It's like, I think that's how it's spelled jet time, but it's like time that's outside of time. It's like immortal time. And that's kind of the time that like fixed stars live in. And so they're kind of like, they're kind of like in charge and they're kind of like, um, you know, whenever they contact the planet or they have some sort of relationship with you, they're kind of like, I don't know, these big ambassadors to some part of your story um, that you're supposed to kind of like, be with like they give you secret missions or side quests or little secret powers or just yearnings and i i just felt like when i started to 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 get into the material and have full sessions with people um and and right we would we we would get into their natal star list like I never felt like as an astrologer, I got that close to people. I was like, oh, I'm like touching your like myelin sheath. That's like part of the nervous system. It's like a vein or something. I was like, I'm like very close when I just said that to you. And like sometimes we would gasp and sometimes we would laugh and sometimes we would cry. And it was just like, oh, wow. And I, I mean, I maybe that's my Jupiter and Scorpio again. I was just like. Oh, this is like the stars are are really deep and they're about like the most inner things. And I was just like, 
I, I, in a consultation, I, that's where I'm trying to get to, you know, like I can tell you things like, oh, your Libra moon makes, means you're cuter. I, or I don't know. I'm not interested in that kind of, or I am, you know, like, but I think like I'm also into kind of getting really in there. I don't know. My client the other day was just like, that felt like a surgery. And I was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, and they were like, no, like in a good way. And I don't, I, you know, and they were like, it's intense, but I mean that in a good way. And I was like, no, that, that's like, that's what we're here to do. You know, it's like, I have a Marshall Jupiter. I want to get in there. I want to be like the, the Jessica Yang, a little Grey's Anatomy of like astrology in that Zoom room. Like, I really want to, you know, it's like drop the facade. Let's just let's be right. Let's be meat like uh, blood and bones, you know, <laughs> or something. And I felt like stars were giving me that. And there was just like, oh, no, this is like the the most. And, you know, ancient texts will say things like um, the stars are like the pillars of destiny. And this is what holds up the birth chart. And it's like, yeah, they're kind of um, they're they're the root system. And if your planets are trees, then these are kind of the roots and the nutrition. And I, I, I just love how affirming it could be for people, how validating it could be. And also just like how radically it can shift people out of like a rut. It's like, oh, no, I'm not crazy. That thing I've always wanted to do. There's a star here that's like, you know, <laughs> giving me that juice. It's like, you know, so I just it's been life changing. And I feel like you know, I'm a Hellenistic um, foundation. That's like my foundation and kind of getting into medieval now. And it's just like, but I feel like, you know, it's interesting because like you would read the star list next to like aspects, houses and planets. Like it was so foundational for the ancients. And, and it's somewhere along the line that got kind of mistranslated or misused and kind of just like uh, obscured. But I feel like it, it, we need, we're we an exciting point in time because I think there's like a traditional revival. And I think now is the time where we're, get, we're finally going to give the stars back their their proper place and their proper respect. And I think they're excited and I think they hear us and I think they're ready. You know, sorry for like <laughs> that. Like I probably talked for years. LOL. That was really evocative because mm. I really felt that. Um, you know, for me, the fixed stars, I've listened to you talk about them on a podcast mm -hmm. before, um, as well as Amaya and mm -hmm. have delved into them a little bit, but they, th they reveal themselves just like any astrological concept in layers. And for me, just kind of grappling with, okay, we have the ecliptic, we have the Zodiac belt. And those are the stars that we talk about. Those are the constellations that we talk about, but there's actually all these other stars and that don't conveniently map onto the ecliptic in the same way as the Zodiac belt. So we don't talk about them. And yet they are these far out bodies, like the way that you were talking about them and how high up they are in the heavens and how powerful mm -hmm. they are and how deeply penetrating the insights can be from working with them just mm -hmm. gives me this numinous feeling of like, there's so much potential in contacting these stars. Um, mm -hmm. and that's just so exciting to me. And I feel like, uh, I'm with you too, that the stars hear us and are, you know, there's no, there's no distance really there in some sense, like mm -hmm. as far away as they are, there's some kind of mystical, you know, and if you're inclined to see the transpersonal or to see beyond mm -hmm. ordinary perception, you can feel the stars mm -hmm. talking to you. So I really appreciate yeah. like the work of people like you who are 
bringing the stars into the conversation because I don't know if mm. I would have heard of them, you know? So. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much for that. I, all of that's so exciting. I mean, I feel like also, yeah, shout out to Amaya, who's also a colleague of mine and, and does a lot of like, uh, more, more like magic, you know, with, with stars. And like, I find that, you know, like I, one thing Amaya says that it's like, we're all kind of these mini talismans in a way, you know, and like that starlight is inside that way. And it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just like a really interesting thing to think about. And I think, yes, right. Like there, there are all these neighborhoods in the sky. And like, um, when you look at a birth chart, it's this really elegant, uh, wheel and it's amazing. And, um, but it's also only just a really thin, part of the sky it's like um it's there's so much that falls outside of it all these other neighborhoods with all these other constellations and you know i mean the ecliptic it's great to turn that into a wheel because it's the path of of the sun and so you know the planets orbit the sun so it makes sense you know that that's kind of like its own neighborhood and so to kind of contact these more kind of far out um locations is kind of like, you know, the ancient texts say that stars are spirit and kind of like to, to join, to get to us, they have to join with a vessel or a material, which is like a planet. And so it's kind of like, you know, there is kind of some like, I don't know, some kind of, a kind of fun, like, you know, kind of even like celestial mail system or something of like this juicy starlight or like this communication or like, yeah, it's like getting the letter from from this from this very far away friend who really wants to know you. And it's like, yeah, and it's just like um, it's a process. And and I think um, it's really exciting to kind of have these like ancient Stark techniques, which are like Babylonian, Egyptian and then got preserved in Hellenistic texts like uh, Valens talks about it. Um, there's like an astrologer, anonymous set three, seven, nine, like all these texts like kind of preserve the techniques so we still have them and it's like yeah we're kind of in this moment where it's like oh they're back and i and you know i guess i don't know what's making me say this but i guess i'll throw it in now it's like for me it became a woe moment as well because they are kind of animistic and i didn't like they're kind of like you know i would be i would be sitting in my office where i am right now and like right in front of me is a window and i would be reading about like Russell hogg and then I would start seeing snakes in my yard and I've never seen snakes in my house like ever like it's never. And they were just like and they were just like passing through like crisscrossing in the grass, like in the driveway. I got I, I went to the backyard the same day and like I, I my dad was like, oh, help me move this like wood this firewood. And I moved it and it was a huge snake den and they all kind of just stared at me and I was like. But it wasn't threatening. It was just like an encounter. And I was just like, (laughs) okay. Like I'm literally reading about a fixed star in astrology at my desk all day, like very monastically. And like now I've conjured the snakes. They're here. Like I've been saying the star's name around the house all day. And I'm like, oh, they've all, you know, it's like they have like animals associated with them. It's kind of like they're living, breathing. And I'm like, here's all these little, little messengers. And it's it's very strange. And so I started to have experiences like that where like, you know, little animals would show up or I, I would have dreams and they would be in the dream and they would be like talking. And I was just like, 
there is like something here um, that's like very important. And so it was kind of like I couldn't get away from it. You know, even if I was going to be like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm learning the star stuff. But it was just like it wouldn't let me go. And I was just like, oh, no, this is like this is this is the world rhyming again. And this is the world making the funny faces again. And so like like we said at the beginning, I was like, I just have to keep I have to keep rhyming. (laughs) There's like no other choice. Yeah. That's amazing. What are some of the stars that are prominent for you? Like you feel a close relationship to them. Mm. And and actually this plays really well into kind of like my whole, like uh, just like diving super deep in is like my entire family is like a Scorpio constellation family. And I, and so I pulled up all these family charts. I'm like, Oh, everyone has like for their helical rising, they have like, Oculeus or Acumen or Antares. I'm like, that's really strange. And I'm like, and I go back generations and it's like, even my cousins, I'm like, why? And it's like, this, this is my dad's side of the family. And then I had this moment like two weeks later where I was talking to a historian from, from where my, well, he studies like El Salvador because I'm Central American. Um, and, and, and he studies this, the very specific part where my dad's from, which is like, this like mountain region, really rural. Um, and you know, my dad's town's name is Arambala, which is not a Spanish word. It's actually in the native, uh, language. And you know, that language doesn't exist anymore. The Spanish burned the books. Like, you know, I don't even know what their astrology even looked like, but what, what the historian did tell me was that they did like my dad's town, was probably uh, well, what it, well he didn't know why it was named this he was just like Anambala means river of scorpions that's all I know and I was just like okay and it's like a small town of like maybe like 1,500 people like very small place but it, and I was just like river of scorpions and then I looked at all the birth charts there and I'm like well if I know that like the Halayako rising star is a very unique relationship between the observer on earth, the location, the longitude, the latitude, like very specific then, you know, and then I also know that like, you know, the indigenous people of this, of this land historically were stargazers, you know, even though those texts don't exist, I just know that's something that is known. Um, then wow. They named the town river of scorpions because the Scorpio constellation is directly over over here and it happens here all the time. And so then you get this, then you get families like my family who have all these Scorpio fixed stars very prominently in their natal parents. And it's like, oh, where the river of scorpions. And it gave me a part of history that I probably wouldn't have arrived at without astrology. Like that is like taking something from the fire, you know, that you thought was lost. And it was this big moment. And I told the historian about it and like, I don't know how he felt about it. Right. Cause like whatever, but I was like, this makes sense. Like, hello. Um, and so I don't know. It was just, that was a big moment for me. I was like, if I could have some kind of like deep reconnection with my ancestral land, just through this, through, through that, through that little story, how can I, how can I keep learning about these fixed stars and do that for other people, you know? And yeah. how can that be like a, a decolonial moment or like a gesture kind of a praxis or whatever? Like, how can I, how can I disrupt, you know, all these histories of, of, of violence and kind of use the stars to, to kind of fill in gaps that were 
that were missing before and like make people feel connected. And I think that's what fixed stars too are because it's like fixed stars, fixed paths. Like it's really, it really is about like where you're standing on earth. So it can teach you a lot about like what your relationship to that, to that place is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that kind of goes back to what you brought in about, um, the stars holding history and thinking about mm. them, mm-hmm. you know, kind oh, yeah. of like an Absolutely. external hard drive or a cloud service where it's like, yes. okay, even if this stuff got burned or decimated here on earth, like we still have the data for you. Um, mm-hmm. how do you, you just descri- gotta, like, learn how to read it again or something? Yeah. yeah. How do you describe, um, what a helio, how do you say it? Heliacal, 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 heliacal. rising star is and the parents. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so heliacal just means sunrise. And so really, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase like this huge Egyptian story, but basically it's like it's a star that's rising with the sun at that particular location. So it's very specific to like longitude, latitude, those calculations like, um, you know, it's kind of like it's about that very it'll be different if you live in like New York city, than if you live in Pittsburgh on the same day. So it's really, it's about the location thing. And, and so it's a star that's kind of being an escort of the sun. It's rising at the same time as the sun. It's the only star in the sky that's doing that. So it kind of has a special role. Um, the Egyptians set up their calendar using heliacal rising stars because it was kind of like, um, the sun had to be reborn every day and the sun was associated with the Pharaoh. So it was kind of like this whole thing about like, the sun and kind of like, right. The sun would get in a, you know, it's like you would get it. It was like in the boat and then the star would be in the boat too. And it's like, we would travel through the night and then, you know, you know, I, you know, to tie it back to the birth chart, it's like the gate of Hades, the second house, right. That's kind of like, that's a gate in the chart, you know, like uh, the second house is the gate to the, to the first house, the ascendant. And then the eighth house is the gate into the sunset. And like, you know, there's these transitional moments, right. Um, for both. And so, yeah, this is kind of like the star kind of tasked for like, you know, kind of like being the psychopomp, the kind of like the journey person, you know, the, the, the guide for the sun to make it back. And we hope, you know, we're Egyptians and we're like, we hope the sun comes back. We need it to. So, you know, there would be prayers that you would say to the, sp- to the sun and, um, and, and to the, well, to the star and be like, you know, come and rise and they would, it would rise and be like, whoa. And, and, and that's just such a, I mean, that's such a connected way of, of being with the world, I think too. And like, and so, yeah, what, do, so that's kind of like a little bit of like that. And so what does this mean? You know, it means that the star has rulership over the calendar and that varies from star to star. You know, some stars rule for like 10 calendar days, some for like, you know, 20, you know, it's like, it varies. Each star has its different cycle, but you know, depending on the time of year. Yeah. That's kind of what, what that means. And so, you know, I'm born on this specific day in December. And if I was to go back to that city on that, on my birthday, I could look up at the sunrise and I would know Oculeus is, is in charge of the calendar. That's the star that's rising right along with the sun. And I would, I, I, you know, and, and that's like, that would hold up for a good hundred of years. Cause it's like procession is really slow for stars. So, so what is that? That's a, that's a big mouthful. What does that rising star mean for you? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, there's all these like 
really bump. I mean, I love the ancients. They were so poetic. Like Manilius was a poet. Um, so many of the ancient astrologers were poets themselves. And so we have all these beautiful texts where it's like Saturn in the first house is like roaring through the sky or like, yeah, there's all these like amazing, exciting ways of speaking about the world. And so you'll get these descriptions around the helical rising star kind of being like, um, you know, kind of like, you know, a, a God being reborn. And, and also like, that's very literal, you know, that has to be about like Egyptian religion and like stuff like that. But I think in other texts too, that it's just like kind of, it, it's talked about kind of like, this is a star that someone's like, um, someone will build their life philosophies around. It's kind of like, I always talk about it. It's like, kind of like, this is like the big picture. This is kind of like the, the, the big, the big thing that you're kind of dealing with in the life. And I know that sounds really abstract, but uh, maybe it's like a horizon thing. And maybe it's kind of like, you know, kind of like that road trip movie thing where it's like, I am, (laughs) I am in this landscape and it's like, you know, I'm on my motorcycle and I'm, I'm looking at this like, thing in the horizon and I feel just so drawn to it. And so, I mean, I think the heliacal rising star and stars in general are about themes. They're about bigger themes, you know, they're kind of like, um, yeah, they're not, they're about themes and so, and stories. And so I find that when I, when I communicate what people's heliacal rising star is, they're kind of like, Oh yeah, that's a big part of how I approach life or like, Oh yeah, that's like a huge reason of why I feel I'm here. Or like, they'll say things like that. I'm like, yeah, you know? And like, that's why. And then the helical setting star is like the star that's crashing down to earth. So it's like, the, the it's like a God dying. So it's like, or like he gets to be mortal again. And so he's walking amongst us. And, and, and so we can petition um, the helical setting and it's like closer to us. And then, you know, eventually we'll come back, we'll ascend again and like, you know, be at the, be, be high up in the sky and, and, but it can like do things for us. And so I always think that like the helical setting star is kind of like, um, I mean, they're both gifts, but I think the, the setting star is like maybe some, like a tool, tool set of some sort that like we kind of get, maybe it's the motorcycle that we can actually use to get to the horizon, you know, the, the helical rising star. And then, yeah, you know, it's interesting. They'll say that your helical rising star comes from your family, the people who you belong to, mm. your ancestors. So maybe this idea of being on like, I don't know, like a really nice a, a table in the sky as like a floating orb or whatever. And then like all these other, you know, it's like maybe that avatar moment is like all the avatars just kind of line up and you're like, oh, these are my ancestors. And they're like, oh, you're, we're going to pick this star for you. And then that's your helical rising. And then you shoot down here and then your helical setting is said to come from like the daemon or like the spirit in the chart. So it's kind of like that one's really interesting. Um, I think that comes back in medieval astrology and that's why I'm excited about medieval and learning that stuff. But I don't know. That's kind of that's did I answer your question? I feel like that was a whole. Yeah, that was really I mean, just giving me so many images. Um mm. Yeah, I was asking kind of about your your heliacal rising star. And if you mm. want to share your setting star too, I'd just love to hear kind of sure. how it's influenced your personal mythos. Sure. Um, <laughs> my teacher um, has this thing written about Oculeus where in the book it says like, um, she has this great cookbook, which is which is good because I think it it's like the book is good because it's kind of like, it'll give you the keys into the room to kind of get you started. But you'll learn more about stars the more you just listen to the client because they'll literally sing the, they'll sing the star, you know? Um, And so 
she's it, this is where yeah this was another moment where like Oculeus is my helical rising it's a it's a it's a star in the stinger of the tail um so it's a tail star of the scorpion and it's something like um this person will see life's rough stones polished by the river and I was just like, oh, my God. I was just like, this is like really crazy because, yeah, you know, it's like I'm I don't know. Like I grew up really goth. Like, I mean, I'm wearing all black today. Like it, this has always been me. Like I've always been like, you know, inclined to like the, the darker things the more like whatever. Um, and so I was just, I just read that and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a little too on the nose. And then I started to find celebrities and, and, and creative people and poets and filmmakers and, and artists who had the same helical rising star as me. I was like, this is. And then that's where it really broke open. It was like my favorite filmmaker, Pedro Costa, who's like Portuguese. This is he's also a Capricorn and his helical rising stars Oculeus. And like he makes all these films where they're like um like everyone who sees Pedro Costa's film is like, oh, this great like art house director with like, you know, it's like he's like the mar- he's like the filmmaker version of like Caravaggio because like there's like he always films in darkness and it's like little swatches of light in people's faces. And it's like very like all the films are really dark and in the dark. And I'm like, that is so Oculeus. And like, you know, it was like and, and he talks about like how he made his first film and he went to the neighborhood with like a huge crew, a bunch of lamps, like a bunch of lighting equipment. And the neighborhood was like, we don't, you know, we have to get up to work at 5 a.m. Like you can't be making this movie with all this like annoying light stuff. And so, you know, he eventually started working with like a really small crew, you know, just like one person holding like a flashlight and like a mirror and then his camcorder and like that, like. That like that informed his entire cinematic style, what he's famous for. But it was to me, it is kind of like a larger metaphor for Oculeus of like, oh, like where I, a large part of my life as an Oculeus Helico Rising has been like, sometimes the resources are scarce or sometimes I have to work in the dark. And that's actually the most exciting place. Like sometimes like the cosmic edge is 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 the most juicy part. You know, it's like there are lots of like amazing sea creatures that live in like darkness at the very bottom or like there's plants that grow in the dark and it's just like i i think oculeus is kind of like that yes uh, this kind of goth way of living in the world but it's like there's still life happening here um and there's still kind of like things to kind of i don't know kind of just like be involved with um one of my favorite poets um and someone that i like I met this year through to some workshops. I'm trying to find the quote because I like wrote it down. Um, her name is Ariana Rines. And she's always Ariana Rines is like, not only is she a poet, she's also an astrologer. So she's also a practicing astrologer. And she has this quote, and I thought it was like super oculeus. I don't know her chart at all, but it, she she says, it, quote, in order to really do your job as a lyric poet, you have to have some skills in your toolkit for living on the edge of yourself, for living on the edge of your life. That doesn't mean you literally have to be howling at the moon in the wilderness or something, although it may be like that for some people. But it's important to get acquainted with the outer limits of yourself, of your culture, of the known, of what can be accepted or experienced as real. Someone has to work there. Someone other than the R&D departments of multinational corporations. The study and practice of poetry can equip you to, quote, 
boldly go where no man has gone before, end quote. But it's not enough to go there. You have to be able to bear witness. Without witnessing, experience dissolves into nothing. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. <laughs> but, but it's like that kind of thing. And I think, um, right, it's like this. It, all the stars in that constellation, like they share a theme and they just express them differently. But I think Oculeus is the more kind of optimistic because it's a twin star. There's Acumen, but it's the more kind of like what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And like, you know, it's like I'm not even interested in kind of like borrowing someone's lighter to start a fire. I, I need to figure out how to make my own fire. And that makes me excited. It's like, I will find the stone in the flint and do my thing. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like FK Twigs is also like Oculus, um, Halaika Rising. And I, I mean, I look at her music videos, like pain is a teacher, you know? And I, I think that's like, that doesn't need to be scary sometimes, but it's, it's like, there's something about thresholds and, and thresholds teach us and no birth is not messy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just, willing to be in that kind of like gestulating, you know, kind of like <laughs> hole in the ground. And I think the the entire stars in the Scorpio constellation, what they do have in common is just like they are totally aware of cages. And it's kind of like, I mean, I go to Latin America and sometimes there's, you know, little animals in the house or something. And it's just like, oh, you know, here's a little scorpion. And it's like I, I'm like making my bed. It's like there you are. And then I turn around to kind of trap it in. the. It's like it's gone. It's like disappeared. And it's like bugs do that. And like, yeah, it's kind of like that. You're, you know, kind of like that constellation's aware of like what cages are and restriction is. And so they, they just kind of go, no, thank you. I'm going to go be like in my you know, in my desert hole far away from here. And I'm going to make that a rich place to create and be. And I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of um, that's kind of how a li- I mean, I could talk about that's the important. That's the cool thing about stars is like the more you just like they'll teach you if you listen. And I feel like I've just been doing a lot of listening as part of my astrological practice for the last two years and I'm better for it. And I, and I think the stars taught me how to listen in a lot of ways and it's very humbling. And I think, yeah, you know, I could, you know, Oculus, you could read like a little paragraph in like books, but here I am like probably taking up like half an hour because, and I could still keep going because it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's just so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That has me. I mean, I'm just so curious to deepen my relationships with the stars too. Mm. I know I have Fomahalt as mm-hmm. my heli- heliacal rising. I forget who my setting star is. Um, but mm-hmm. from the little I know, I've like related. What's your heliacal rising? Fomahalt. Am I saying mm. it right? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you are. I mean, it's all these like trans literated Arabic names. I don't know. It's like, it's funny. Like even the star names themselves have been like translated so many times. You like kind of were like, you know, so, and I also think like I, another thing I, uh, Sagittarius Mercury is like, I think uh, that's a common question. People ask me, they're like, are, am I pronouncing it right? And I think like, I don't know, you know, it's like we have all these accents and they're regional and they, and they tell us like where we came from. And I think they're all beautiful. So, you know, it's like, if you're a Midwesterner and you say Fulmahalt this way and I'm a New Yorker and I'm going to say it this way, you know, it's like, yeah. it's fine. I think it's all beautiful. I think it's all, I think it's all sonic music. So it's like, I, I just, and like, I don't want to hear one kind of music. So yeah. I think, you know, I love that like you know, Jupiter incorporating want. all the pronunciations. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's all it's all music. Um, but FOMO's really cool. Um uh yeah, I, I think that's like such a <laughs> it's 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 it, you know, we learn stars in different batches. And so there's like the stars of mysticism. That's like one lesson I had to go through and then my teacher would be like, these are the battle stars. And then these are like the stars of learning and the stars of, you know, whatever. And so, um, Fomahalt's in the stars of mysticism, you know? Um, but it's not just a star of mysticism. It's, it's about like creativity and it's actually like, I call it the dreamer star. Um, it's really kind of like, <laughs> there's all these things written about it in ancient texts about like, these people can like bring something from they can step into the other world and bring something here. That's, I'm obsessed and, like, I, with that. I talk about manifestation and weaving things from the other realms into mm, this one. Yeah. And I think there could be so much like, right. Different ways of like tuning into Like, for example, like, I, I don't know how I'm remembering. I'm like really on today. I, this is like great. So one of my favorite full Mahal Halaiko Rising people is um, the filmmaker Agnes Varda, who's like part of like the French New Wave. Um, but she, I, although I think she's doing slightly different things, I think she's cooler. <laughs> anyway, but she's like, this is her thing. And she has this quote that because I, I, I like was watching stuff about her and she she says, like, I use reality to get out of reality. And I was like, and she was talking about her films. And I was like, that's so crazy and amazing and like Fomahalti. Like a Fomahalt person would say that. And it's just kind of like, right, like there's something about like my driving life force that it's just kind of like, I love liminality. I love the places in between. I love to kind of, you know, um, poetry is that, you know, it's like sometimes it's kind of like staring into like, a body of water and like screeing or something like that's poetic and some, and then seeing something come out, you know, it's like sometimes if you really look like something unexpected and magical comes out of there and it's like, Oh, that's the moment. And like, yeah, it just relates to everything. We, I maybe we've been talking about for like the entire time, but the rhyming with the world or something. Yeah. I love that. I mean, there's so much I could say who else is full Mahalti? Um, Hmm. Oh, Margaret Dura. Who's oh, also- I love that author. Reading oh, one of cool. her books, I forget the title, but it was it was significant for me in my like literature mm. study because there was just like mm. a sensuality and like a depth mm-hmm. of like interiority that I felt mm-hmm. from her writing that really influenced mm-hmm. my writing style, even though I only read yeah. like one of her books cover to cover. Yeah. And I find that Fulmahal needs that interiority. I mean, one of her, you know, she has a book of essays, too. And one of the essays is just called writing. Like That's the title. Um, but she talks about her house and it's just like this kind of and it's kind of mostly about her house. But like, I guess the thing is, like, Fulmahal people, they need that sort of sanctuary or else they're kind of kind of like be a fish out of water or like like. Right. It's like you need. And she talks about like the importance of like that house and what that house means and kind of like in a way it's really a place where she protects herself against the world and it's just like i can't i have to do my work my fomahalt work and it's kind of like this house is like the place right where where i can kind of have walls to do that and kind of you know incubate and i think that's always like a fomahalt thing i'm always just like because i you know part one of the services i offer is like a celestial studio visit. I used to be a curator in the art world. I still curate film. Um, I, yeah, I come, I come from like art and, and that stuff. So, you know, I would go to universities and I 
you know, meet with grad students and go into their studios and I'd talk about their work with them and be like, you know, and I'd be like, you should watch this film. Like, oh man, that brushstroke thing you're doing, like that reminds me of like this painter in like 19th century Russia. You need to look that up. And like, that's really what studio visits are. It's like someone coming into your creative space and being like, I see all these things that maybe you don't see or that maybe you do see. And like, it's just kind of like bouncing off. And so, I mean, I use the fixed stars to do that because it's just kind of like, they really are about like creative people's concerns. And like, that's how I've learned about them even is like through, through, through mostly the charts of artists, poets, musicians, because they will make work about their natal star list. They will. Yeah. It's just because it's the most inner um, Mm -hmm. place to gather information about humanity. I feel like because it, it is so creative and there's an abundance and a playfulness that comes through that. And then being able to source that, vocabulary that you've developed to share that inspiration um through image and storytelling just feels Mm -hmm. really wonderful yeah and it keeps astrology alive for me you know like i think i would pass out and like give up if if my whole life was just this is what this means you know like and and just like in a really flat like you know like you know i i think like Right. Like, because I approach astrology through these kind of like artistic ways, it's kind of like it it gives language breath. (laughs) Wow. I'm really going for the Jupiter stuff today. Yeah, I love it. But it's like it's like if if language doesn't breathe, then it's just ink on paper. And if astrology is really going to mean something for us and it has to be living and breathing and pulsating and I'm going to have to get there with you using these incredible tools that people have been using to do that forever which is like our artworks right that's one of my favorite writing meditations that was like pivotal for me was a meditation that the writing has to be alive on the page because my my writing has been historically like as I was developing my voice I would transcribe my experiences and my memories Mm -hmm. and I would feel if the memory was more alive than what was happening on the page, then it was dead on the page. And when I tried to make, when I figured out how to make something alive on the page, the memory wasn't always translated accurately. Sometimes it would take on new life, but it was worth it because at least you had something that was living. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was mm-hmm. like forever changing for me with writing. It's like, this has to be alive and you can feel mm-hmm. it. Like, especially like, you know, what you've been saying, the quotes you've been reading, they have that kind of sparkle quality after where you feel Mm -hmm. visited because you just heard Mm -hmm. something that was alive, as opposed to if you read like something from a instruction manual of how to construct a a vacuum or something like Mm -hmm. it's Mm going to give you the data that you need, but it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. that alive per se. Mm -hmm. Not to hate on technical text. (laughs) No, totally. Totally. And I think it's, you have to find that beautiful synthesis. And I think, yeah, they don't, you know, I think also it's like, um, it just, yeah, it, 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 when it doesn't, when it's just the data, it doesn't give you room to participate, you know? Yeah. Whereas like when I present to you a, a poem by a poet who has the same fixed star as you in, in consultation, it's like, I give you room to bounce off that. I give you the space to do that. It's like, I'm opening a room to that, to that mm. being a possibility versus just, you know, my job isn't to tell a Virgo what Virgo means. My job is to figure out what Virgo means to them together. Like it's a collaboration even, you know, it's like, it's a, it's already a creative act. And like, um, 
Yeah, it's it's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I so I asked you for something kind of indulgent, which is mm, <laughs> sure. Share. Uh, I launched this podcast on an election, and I don't know any mm-hmm. of the fixed stars involved. So, like, mm. if mm-hmm. if you know the mm-hmm. heliacal rising of the podcast, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um. This is really interesting. It's Deneb Algeti, which is the Deneb. Anytime you see Deneb, it just means tail. And so this is like the tail of, of the Capricorn constellation. And so this was the calendar. Again, the, the, the star in rulership keeping the calendar, you know, uh, when you made this. And it's so interesting because um, there's also kind of like these kind of separate, more like event chart mundane significations that I learned about the stars um, apart from the natal. And when I checked that, it said, it said some sentence in my notes from class, something like, if Denabalgeti, if something is created within the weather of Denabalgeti in like an event or something, then it's like the establishing of an establishment or, or like of, oh. of, a, of, a, of, a, of a of a kind of thing. And I was like, hmm, that's really interesting. And, I, and you know, I always, you know, Denabalgeti is one of the stars in the sky about learning. It's about knowledge. And it's and I think, you know, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I think, you know, <laughs> I always blow everyone's mind who has Denimal Jetty as a natal star because I'm kind of like this is kind of like major crone energy. This is really kind of like the old person at the library who doesn't, you know, who is there not just as kind of like check off a sheet of like, look at all the stuff I've read, but is actually like, how do I turn this like how do I turn this data and knowledge into wisdom, which is a whole different other thing, which is a whole process, which involves time, which involves a certain seriousness, which involves like, yeah, time. And I think Denabal Jetty is kind of like that. It's a star about like, I don't know, it kind of, I don't want to conflate it's Saturn, but it feels kind of Saturn. That's it kind funny. of feels like there was a time period the on this podcast where I felt like every episode was about Saturn. Or like we always mm. talked about Saturn because the Saturn Pluto conjunction was approaching when this podcast was started. And so oh, wow. many episodes we come back to like account, like responsibility at a deep soul level is just like a major theme somehow of the podcast, mm. but especially yeah, when it first it, begun. Yeah. And, you know, and it's also like about the location, you know, like um, fixed stars, they also come out of like visual astrology. You know, it's like um, just looking at where it is. It's like it's the it's a star in the tail of like this animal that's like, you know, half goat, half half watery tail kind of situation. So it's kind of like, right. How do you merge the dream, the, the more like dreamy stuff with like the the solid or something like, I, I mean, I think one of my favorite philosophers, Walter Benjamin, he talks about like, you can't make an account of history without taking into account dreams. I'm probably butchering that quote, but what he's saying is that like, yeah, like, you know, our life doesn't just happen in the waking world, but it happens in the sleeping world. And so how can dreams be a place to kind of go into and do stuff there, you know, and kind of challenge history there or refute what kind of refusals do dreams um, allow us to do is like a great question. I, my friend, Mariam, who's an amazing poet, Mariam Yvette Parhiskar, everyone should look up her poetry. It's like my plug for my friend, but she said that to me and I was like, Oh, that's so done about Jetty. It's like, how can we use dreams to refuse or dreams is kind of like 
like I'm going to quote my other friend who's a poet, um, Edgar Garcia, who said one time, because I mean, I've been curating a, a series at the Poetry Project all about dreams. So this is where this is all coming from. And so uh, Edgar was like, you know, saying that like dreams aren't he doesn't think of dreams just as like these Freudian just depositories, but actually like kind of communal entry points mm. for like our ancestors and us or like kind of a, these kind of right these other places that we can kind of do stuff in and and um it's also part of history and it's like maybe with the whirlpool and it's like i don't know I, and so i think like denabal jetty is like a really really serious star but there's kind of like that um there's that kind of like dreamer thing there. Like it's like when, you know, Susan Sontag was interviewed once and like, they're like, how do you want people to remember you? She said dreamer. And like, it made the interviewer really like dreamer really like, cause she has such a serious personality, but I think the most serious of, of thinkers, scholars, they're, they're dreamers. And I, and you know, uh, part of, you know, the Denabal Jetty and ancient texts is, is called the ancient lawgiver. Like that's what the, that's directly from the translation is like the ancient lawgiver, the, the, um, you know, the people born under the star will be interested in the metaphysical, physical, spiritual, um, laws that govern the world and like that will be what concerns them is like why you know this is like the thinker statue this you know in my you know to make it contemporary like my clients who have this are all like in academia or like historically because i do a lot of research like judith butler Karl marx guitari deleuze like um gramsci like all of like all of these like kind of you know continental philosophers like existential philosophers like they're all denim algeti people and it's and it is because it's like they're all asking these big questions of like about existence and like some you know they all have different approaches but they're they're all interested and i think um billy ray belcourt who's like an indigenous queer scholar and a poet they said this thing once that i recently read they were like um it was in an essay and it was just like a toss off line. But to me, it's like my favorite line. It was like, I read theory because I'm emotional. And I was like, Oh, I was like, because yeah, you know, I think there's like some kind of like arrows to the philosopher. And I think that's so Denabal Jetty. I don't know. That was my whole Denabal Jetty, like maybe tangent, but maybe that speaks to a lot of like what this podcast is interested in. And it was like, that's, that's who was in charge. Right. Yeah. And so like maybe the, you know, cause podcasts are also libraries. They're kind of like, each episode is a book on a shelf in a way. Totally. And you're building that. It's a labor. It's turning in serious. Yeah. No, I feel that. And I feel, I feel serious. I feel like I'm a dreamer as well, which is also maybe the FOMA halt stuff. But, you know, on this podcast, I do think about, you know, first I had to learn kind of like the art of interviewing, which I just basically, mm. I like very seriously, I listened to podcasts and I found which ones I liked and I studied mm what I liked. And I also listened to podcasts. Like if it didn't fit the criteria of like, Oh, I don't like this podcast. I'd figure out why and find out what I thought was obnoxious or what I thought wasn't mm. a good interviewing style. And I cataloged it. So I like took it very seriously of like, I've never been an interviewer before, but I'm going to figure it out. And then I bring on people who I see as wise, accomplished, have something to share. So it is, it is kind of serious and I'll have casual mm -hmm. episodes in a sense too, but there is that sense of like, you know, a rarefied library space where we're going to drop some knowledge and have this episode, you know, outlive it the week that it's 
published because we're going to be talking about something, you know, except for what I forecast stuff. Maybe people don't listen to that out into the future. Um, when I'm just talking about one week of time, but things like this, the fixed stars, any of the archetypes, I want them to be, you know, things that people can go back to and find, you know, and also the seriousness just of like, what makes a good conversation? It's something I've thought a lot about, but I don't always talk about. You just kind of do the mm. thing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that gives me a lot to reflect on. And it's interesting that, you know, the chart was elected without the fixed stars in consideration, but they found a way, you know, I guess to speak through. To be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's so exciting is like... Um, I just had this conversation the other day where like <laughs> it was like, I mean, I'm born in 1993. And so, you know, Project Hindsight, like all these like revival of ancient astrology it was happening around that time. Um, and so we were talking about like, oh, we have like Uranus and Neptune and Cap. And, yeah, like, that's like in the Project Hindsight chart. And like, you know, just thinking about like. Right. Like uh, these older generations were doing this revival work and then we're kind of the kids who were born around that time. And it's like we're really embracing it. And it's like, Oh, here we are. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's even a joke that, um, the other day, someone was like, Oh, you kids and your essential dignities or something. But it's like, Oh, it's no, it's like all these kids who want the ancient stuff. But I mean, that's just to say, I mean, I don't know where, what made me go there, but I guess I was just saying that like, it's exciting. Right. And I think, um, there, there's been kind of um, for fixed stars. It's like there was a lot of, you know, like Burton Adept Brady was doing this stuff in the 80s and talking to Rob Hand and and like she's a computer programmer. So like to even calculate parans, it's like we need to do like sp like spherical trigonometry. Like it's actually like really crazy Babylonian math. It's like I would never I mean, I've tried it by hand and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> That's not my gift. But it's like the software will calculate them. And like, um, I think it's just, yeah, I think it's, in, it's, 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 you know, it's like if we're going to revive all these ancient things, the stars can't get left behind. And I, I, I don't, I don't think they will. And I think I'm so excited. People are getting excited about them. And like, this is my point. Oh my God. I, I, you know, the lightning strikes and you're there and, um, yeah, you know, it wasn't in your electional chart, but it was still there. And I think, you know, as, as we get into more of these techniques and more people learn them, electional astrologers are going to get some really cool added things in their toolkits when they do elections. It's like, yeah, what happens if you check the, the, the heliacal star, you know, like what does that say to the election? And like, maybe the election you're on the fence about it because, you know, maybe Mars is doing something funky or something, but like maybe the heliacal star is really good. And it's like totally what the big mission of the thing is. It's like, just maybe it's like, you know, mitigation or like a sign to just do it anyway. Or like, you know, there's so many ways that like we can start to put these stars back into electional and a really, I don't know, more meaningful. More, I don't know, just like in a new way. And it could really tell us something. I mean, I think that's like a really special moment just now um, about like just this podcast is chart. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, I feel like I'm going to be sitting with this continually and I feel so mm. graced by this new knowledge about what this podcast is about. And I want to come back to something that you said about listening and just sure. if you have any insights for people that work with, you know, any of the archetypes, stars, especially of like how you can tune into a deeper receptivity toward interacting with them. Mm, yeah. I mean, 
you know, you can get really like um, theurgical. Like there, a lot of the stars have prayers or they have Orphic hymns. And, you know, it's like, you know, you could like build an altar and start an altar practice and like, you know, kind of like start to really, you know, talk to the star and also like, you know, kind of like get really out there, you know, um, kind of like go out into the land Look up at the sky if you're able to, you know, unless you, I don't know, it's hard when you live in a city, but like there is something about like finding this, you know, kind of actually locating it in the sky and looking at it and having that moment, you know, maybe that's kind of like where to begin, you know, because that's with the body and it's like, ooh, you know, and, and feeling that it's above you and like taking it all in and kind of then, I don't know, you know, just kind of starting to, to kind of, call it you know and i and and i think um you'll you'll be very surprised because i a lot of people haven't been doing that for thousands of years so it's kind of like they're very much i mean you'll get a very quick answer if you're like you know asking you know solution for like a dream vision or something it's like oh here we go because like you know what i mean it's like everyone petitions in astrological magic maybe everyone's asking jupiter for something but it's like no one's really asking like the star for stuff and it's like what happens when you kind of like approach it or something yeah not necessarily ask but just approach and yeah. be like saying your name you know um yeah my experience with some of the like even like the asteroids that maybe you know Demetra George has written about them but they're a little bit less written about or discussed that you can just talk to them directly and start to see them show up in conversation and people that you meet who suddenly archetypally super mm. represent that being that you're working mm. with or you get dreams um i've you know it's like an animism thing but these yep. they're alive and i feel like yeah. um happy to converse with us. And I feel like even, um, you know, I'm, I've always loved synchronicity and magic. Like I've talked to people who get spooked out by it. Like if a coincidence, you know, happens, they're like kind of scared. But for me, I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, I I want to feel the world make faces back at me, like to use that language. (laughs) Um, because it feels playful, it feels alive. And there's something even that feels protected about it. Like I know that I can Mm. talk to a fairly, challenging archetype and have it show itself to me in a way that's at a safe distance too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if I don't directly want to imbibe that theme in my life in a more intense way, it can still show up in mm-hmm. a, in a way where it's like, maybe you read, uh, a tragic book, but you're distanced from it. You're absorbing the art. It's not your life that is tragic at that moment. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I just for some reason felt inspired to say that, too, because I always feel like interacting with one of the stars or an archetype is kind of like taking a tincture, taking a potion Mm -hmm. like you're you're allowing yourself to be altered. And I still think Mm -hmm. that there's like a grace or a safety that can happen in that, too. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are selling materia, too. So, like, I have a regular spray. That's one of my natal stars. So it's like. I wear that before I like come on presentations or like I'm in in front of people speaking, have to kind of have to feel. And it's interesting, right? Like that's using astrological magic to, to capture that star's energy. And it's like a spray that I like to spray on my face, but I walk different. I feel like myself. It's like, I have like a lot of stuff with like dissociation and stuff, but it's like, anytime that regular spray is there, it's like, I know that star is giving me like 
presence and kind of like this is your lion's walk and i think yeah that's just kind of there's also that option too like there are people who make fomaholt talismans it's like you can get one and like you know maybe start to have a an alter relationship and i i think people overthink ritual too and i think it could just be so simple it could just be like you know kind of it's just about consistency and being interested in them and and like not kind of in a way that's like oh i'm gonna just like take all the stuff that you have to give but just kind of like just talk just hang out like just hang out you know with 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 the entity yeah Yeah, i have to say i i don't know if i've told you about this before but Mm -hmm. i talk about them in general that i see these lights basically that look Mm. like stars they're usually blue and they show up when i'm Mm. talking with people or when i'm writing and they've been sparkling in this conversation but like specifically around your hair for the most part Mm. (laughs) it's so funny it's just like (laughs) we're just talking about regulus and like lions and stuff but they've been popping off a lot so this conversation is Mm. literally been lit and I wanted you to know that. Cool. Oh my God, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um so how can people like find you, connect with your work, and you do consultations. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about yeah. that. Yeah. I'm around. Um so I'm my website is cieloswelloastrology.com. So that's in Spanish. So I'll spell it. It's like well, I'll explain it too because it's fun. Um, of course, this is also like a, a story time moment with me. So, cielo just means sky in Spanish. So, it's like C I E L O. And then, suelo just means ground. Um, so, suelo is spelled S U E L O. Cielo, suelo. It's got that nice timber. And then, astrology.com. Uh, and that's where you can find me. Um, my social media, my Instagram is. Uh, Cielo Swallow Astrology again it's the same thing and then I think my Twitter is the one that's like abbreviated it's just Cielo Swallow Astro um, but yeah I, I'm a consulting astrologer this is my full time job um, I see people every day I get to talk about the stars every day and yeah I, I have many different kind of offerings especially attuned to people who have like a creative practice um and so, yeah, I'd love to see people and yeah, let's hang out. And um, that's that's kind of where I, where I am. Yeah. I yeah, you're bringing so many gifts to the astrology community. So thank you so much for oh, thank you being like creating this bridge between a lot of people and these stars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I feel like the way that you express and your Jupiterian Mercury is very generous and inviting and abundant. So this has been really fun and magical to talk with you. Um, yeah, I'm hoping we could do a session sometime in the future. I know I was going yeah, to kind of like love to see when we're you. done recording, be like, hey, let's put something on the schedule. <laughs> I was cool. thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I love talking to people with like a creative practice. Cause I, you know, I think, you know, you have like, yes, it's a, we should, maybe we should talk about this a little more, but like, right. It's a full star list. So there's like many stars that like have connections to each person. And what's great about them is that they're all kind of like, they're also cyclical. Like there are stars you are born with. And then there are stars that at your Saturn return turn on. And then when your second Saturn return comes, you get another batch of stars. And it's just like, this beautiful idea of maybe some kind of like room inside you that like has all these candles and event, you know, you accumulate them as you live. And it's like just more, more stars. And it's just, yeah. And I always think about the stars as kind of like a Greek chorus. They're kind of like, or like they're harmonizing. They're kind of a chorus. Like 
you know, they're not separated from the birth chart. We kind I, you know, we're always multi-mapping across the parans into the chart, but it is kind of like um, this, this just like wonderful group of people or yeah, they're kind of people like right, the star is standing on this kind of like, I don't know, uh, choir, like, you know, kind of like structure and just like singing. And they're really kind of, they're there to be the harmony that supports the, the song that you're singing. And I think, yeah, I'm just, I could talk about them forever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that has an end, but does, does life end? Does poetry end? No. <laughs> so maybe this is like the disorganized moment at the end, but I have a Sag Mercury. I love it. We'll like, uh, trail out into the, you know, the mutable endings. I feel like mm-hmm. you get a piece of information. It sits with you. It opens up a new channel in your mind and something new happens. So mm. may the listeners of this podcast experience something new and delightful as a result of anything that was stirred from this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me.